Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Ages Podcast. My name is David Harry Stewart. It's great to have you with us here today. We have the incredible Miss Norma Kamali, the fashion innovator, uh, just such a forward-thinking, incredible woman. Um, you know, the sleeping bag coat that's ubiquitous in New York, that's Norma. The cutout bathing suits, that's Norma. The clean skincare line that she started in the early 90s, that's Norma. Um, really at the forefront of health and wellness, an incredible woman, uh, just such an inspiration to speak to. Uh, her views on aging, her views on the beauty industry and how, you know, you know in effect, a lot of these you know, very famous Instagram influence are really sort of pushing things back to the way they, they used to be with these impossible standards of beauty, but we'll, we'll let her explain that. Uh, we have some really big news coming up here, and that is YBL. YBL is your best life. It's our big ageist event that we put on every year, and last year it sold out. This year it's going to sell out again. We're doing this year in Los Angeles at the iconic Arclight Cinema Dome on Sunset. It's going to be quite a day. You'll be able to get tickets on the website. There'll be information there. On the newsletters that are coming out now Tuesday and Thursday, we'll have some info there. There's a button on our Instagram page. And if that doesn't work, you can always just go to Eventbrite, which is uh, where we're doing the ticketing, and type in AgistYBL. See you there. So right now, without further ado, let's give a shout to Miss Norma Kamali. I'm in Los Angeles today. She is in New York. Let's find out what she's up to. So Norma, how are you today? I'm very good. My collection is finished. I'm on to the next thing. So I'm, it's always good to start a new project. So it's inspiring. You're not exhausted. You're, you know, you've had a good night's sleep in between. So I'm, I'm good. You got me on a good day. Well, I, I read something about, you know, Tom Ford talking about how you know, his life and probably your life for the last 30 or 40 years, it's very prescribed, right? Like this collection date and you know, going forward, right? Yeah, but actually it's 52 years for me. Yeah. Wow. So it's absolutely true. We have four deadlines a year and every day we are making sure that the fabric's going to arrive on time, that everybody is um, on schedule. Um, you don't account for viruses. You don't account for, you know, shipments that get lost. It's you, you try to do as many things as perfectly as possible so that when there are disruptions, you know, you're dealing with something that, is, is out of the norm rather than just being chaotic and trying to get it done. Chaos does not work in the fashion industry. And we have more tighter deadlines than any other industry. And so the pressure is really extraordinary. And I'm, I'm of the belief that anybody that's been in the fashion industry for a while can do just about anything. I think that that's a, a big misconception about the fashion industry. Yeah. People think it's this wild and crazy thing, but it's incredibly rigid. Yeah, yeah, no. There's really um, 
very little uh, opportunity for things to go wrong. And, and, you know, if the, if the clothes don't make it to the store on time, you know, you can't put a hang tag saying, sorry, we're late. You know, we just, we missed the delivery. It's, it's a big deal. Um, and now, you know, we do production in the U S and in China. I have a, a, a woman that produces my clothes in China. Who's like a soul sister. She's so amazing. And we have a great relationship and we had it for 12 years. And of course, um, her people can't get into the factory because there are strict rules and, and, and obviously we understand why. And so that all of a sudden is a new something we have to sort out here. How are we going to deal with it? All the fabric is there. There, everything they need to make the collection is in China. Nothing can be moved. It has to be there. We have to wait for the people to get back to work. So uh, it's a it's another way to kind of rethink what are we doing? Is this going to work? Um, so I'm, I'm just giving that example to say that the fashion industry is very hardcore and it, it has everything to do about business strategy, operations, um, and it's strategic. So the, you work in this very high pressure environment you have for 52 years and you've excelled. And I, I'm wondering, you know, what, what's your daily routine? How do you look after yourself? So first of all, I have not excelled every year of my life. I must make sure that whoever's listening to this doesn't think that they are totally a hot mess because they're not excelling for <laughs> years. So you can be sure I did not excel throughout the 52 years. Um, and there was a lot of learning and growth and whatever along the way uh, and survival instincts that kick in. So that's the reality. And, um, from a, a survival for um, health and well-being, I really um, understood early that the more um, defense I had in in my physical well-being, the better it would be for me to be able to get through stress and um, and my interest in um, and all of this really began, and I've told you, through friends of mine dying of AIDS and realizing that it was the immune system that was compromised. And, uh, and so I sought out information about how to have a strong immune system. And in that search, I was fortunate to meet incredible pioneers like Andrew Weil and Michael Pollan and uh, Dr. Lodog um, and um, Dr. Yang, who's Eastern medicine, so many people, um, Horst, who founded Aveda, who were very inspirational and important in my learning about what the alternatives were to just the little everybody knew about the food we were eating, how 
how uh, how we were farming and um, what the implications of fast food, the fast food industry was having on how the quality of the food um, and the variety of the food that we had available and learning all of that. And I sort of kept it to myself for a very long time. And, and I started to apply practices um, and I found that I really felt so much better when I paid attention to what I was eating and that exercise was a part of my life every day and all of that and understanding the value of sleep and that it isn't something that happens when you add on your pillow, that it's part of sort of a process of how you get through a day. I started meditating actually in the 70s. So I had that to, um, to use throughout the years. Um, but my early interest really um, was something that I started to apply in my daily life with the in information that I um, gathered from these incredible people. What does your day look like? What time do you get up? I get up really early. I mean, I can get up um, anywhere between 4.30 and 5.30. Um, wow. and, but I go to bed really early too, obviously. Um, and I love the morning. Um, it's such a quiet, private time. I get in early. Um, because nobody's here and I can spend time thinking about what uh, I want the collection to look like, um, putting things together so that I can distribute work to my staff and that everybody's focused and directed so that whatever my goal is, I have everybody kind of going in that same direction. Um, and, and quiet time is very important for me. I mean, I, silence is just my safe place and we're overstimulated. So obviously silence is golden as they say. Right. Absolutely. Um, so you have a you have a line of skincare products mm -hmm. that are I use them. They're great. Good. <laughs> <laughs> but so let's let's talk a little bit about beauty. Uh-huh. Um, so you know, we're a little older now. What is what, what does beauty mean to you today? Yeah. Well, you know, for so many years the fashion industry and the beauty industry define beauty for us, right? They there would be a model or a look that would be the look that everybody aspired to have. And, um, and then everybody who didn't look like that would feel bad about themselves and either try to do everything like that or basically um, just be depressed. So, the beauty of the beauty world right now is that individual beauty is really 
great. And that means individual beauty at any age, as long as it's as authentic as it can possibly be. And, and the picture of beauty is really because it's a health, healthy skin, healthy eyes, you know, shiny hair, that, that the projection of that authentic beauty came from um, health and well-being. So if that exists, if you want to put on makeup, it's for fun. It's not to hide your face or your skin. Um, and so if that's the premise, then that can work for men too, that it's it's an approach to a healthy uh, approach to beauty. Social media, unfortunately, continues the old sort of fashion beauty industry doctrines of what's beautiful. So there are some um, people on um, Instagram, for instance, who are very powerful in their image and that people want to look like. I mean, Kim Kardashian could not be more of an example or Jennifer Lopez um, or, you know, a number of, of women. And I think that I have so much respect for them because they work so hard and they're so good at what they do. And because of that and the way they look, there's a lot of women that feel they have to look like that. But there's also a team that's helping them. You know, they're there and they have, you know, sometimes a village when they need it. And not all of us do that. I mean, most of us don't do that. I'm, I don't have makeup artists or people doing my hair. It's, I, I don't have that kind of a life. I do my yeah. own hair. I brush it. As you can see, nothing really went into this. Um, and that um, that it's just it it it's a real a real life, and that authentic beauty for real life people has to come from a healthy lifestyle. Right. I think we we'd spoken earlier about that. Your views on this have changed somewhat. That um, you know your thoughts about makeup and things like that back in your forties are different than they are now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was obsessed with makeup. I mean, I when I would spend hours, it would between teasing my hair in the 50s and 60s, like the early 60s, teasing my hair and literally painting a face on my face because I was an art student and I was I had a painting scholarship and I like, so I was good in the artistry department. And so I would spend, it would be maybe an hour and a half to two hours just to get out of the house. This is not for a party. This is not for, I mean, this was, and I wasn't the only one who was spending that much time on it. That's what women did. And in fact, I had friends who were married and their husbands never saw them without makeup ever, never. Like they would go to bed with makeup on and then make sure they early to take a shower and then put makeup on before their husband would see them. So uh, there was a lot of cuckoo stuff going on in obviously in the world of women's heads, but 
So, uh, so makeup was always fun for me. I loved it through my twenties, thirties. And then, um, as I saw, like by the time you're in your late thirties, your skin is changing. There are lines on your face and the more makeup you put on or the more effort you put into hiding what's happening, the worse it looks. And and so I decided that I I had to just step away from, you know, makeup in the way that I had been using makeup. And um, and so I was working with um, a cosmetic company at the time, and I developed a skin line in um, 93 to um, 1993 to um, sort of answer the question of how can you have good skin, skin good enough to not have to wear makeup. And I used a lot of C products um, and it was quite nice, but it was way ahead of its time. I mean, truly way, way, way ahead of its time. And so the, when I opened the wellness cafe after 9-11, where I focused on products that I curated that were uh, strong on, you know, building the immune system and sort of protecting the immune system. One of the things I did was I brought back products um, that could be used for um, a no makeup, you know, go bare kind of uh, approach to beauty. And I had a tremendous following um, just through the Wellness Cafe. And so since 93, I haven't been ever wearing makeup. Um, but it's, I, I mean, I'll, sometimes I'll wear eye makeup or not wear eye makeup. But, I, but the idea of covering my skin hiding my skin or hiding lines on my face was def just sort of out of the question. And it's very freeing and it's very empowering to be able to go to the gym and sweat and not have to think about it or go swimming or just uh, make love and not feel like you look like you got dragged down the street. I mean, it's a, it's a good feeling to not have to worry about the the light in the elevator is that, you know, neon light or, you know, going to fluorescent light going to show the makeup line, which is what I would think about when I wore makeup is like, oh my God, is the lighting in here going to just like make me look like Count Dracula's sister or am I going to, you know, so I don't think about that. I, I don't, I don't, it's not even in my mindset. This is what it is. And and I'm okay with it. So for I just you 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 bring up a memory. I I shot a story for Cosmo, like he late 80s or something, early 90s. Right. It was called Makeup to Go to Bed in. <laughs> and it was that whole ethos of exactly what you said, like never be seen right. without makeup ever. Yeah. I'm so glad that's done. Yeah. Um but you will even see, you know, I, I'm I'm very consciously aware of this. So when I there are ads on TV for sheets, you know, there's always some new sheets that'll help you have the best night's sleep. 
and the woman is wearing makeup and right. she's and I'm thinking it's so obvious that she's wearing makeup and is this is this subliminally sending a message that you have to look like that before you go to bed it's such an old fashioned idea that it would be so fresh and nice if the girl had no makeup mm. on and her hair looked like the way wow. it looks when you go to sleep but she was so perfect it was like not believable did you have you watched the morning show of course right yeah so whenever they're getting you know they're they're like waking up or they're going to bed they're perfect perfect like, i know absolutely perfect i think what do they what what, what? yeah <laughs> well i mean it's you know it that's sort of an abstract it it's like a, a slice of life in caricature yep. not so much i mean uh yeah, but I noticed that too. I was very aware of it, but I'm always hyper aware of those things. But, but in that in that context, for some reason, I it was I it was a caricature of the whole thing. So I got it. But it's just some the more realism um, in certain situations. But we need fantasy too. So the balance of that is is healthy. I think that's right. Um, we, we often think here about this um, this sort of pyramid of need, right? So at the at the bottom of the pyramid, we have hygiene, and then once you get that set, then then you get to grooming, <laughs> and once you get that set, well, maybe then you go to glamour. Yeah. Um, and we have um, there's so many questions we get about what's it, what it comes down to is what's the right level of maintenance, and I think mm. people. There's a lot of, and that, that, you know, kind of goes the gamuts. And what would you say would be sort of the absolute minimum thing that we should be doing in the morning or through the, at night to take care of ourselves with it, as far as our skin is? Yeah. I think there's, there's, for instance, there's two camps on this. One is there's the high maintenance camp where, I'm going to have the most expensive products and the best in, of the moment products. And I'm going to use them and I'm going to have all of these things. Um, the best, the best of all the, uh, of all of these ingredients. And then there's the other uh, point of view that I, I mean, my life is, I don't have the luxury of spending an hour and a half to get out of the house in the morning or an hour and a half before I go to bed um, to do all of this stuff, unless one day I want to take the time to do that. But I, for me, the having timeless ingredients that work is my sort of safe place with um, with personal care. So personal care, I agree, is is just hygiene. You're going to brush your teeth. You're, there are things you do, and you don't even think about. You take a shower. You brush your teeth. You have your 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 sort of hygiene maintenance, and and you can't even remember that you did it, but you did it because. You're on automatic with those things. And then there's the grooming. And so for grooming, the the skin line really is a, an example of 
what I believe is the the approach where you have, a, a, for instance, the moisturizer can be so many things. You can moisturize your skin with it, face and body. You can um, put it on your feet before you go to bed to sort of be a liniment for your feet so your feet are soft. You can take your makeup off with it. It's It's got so many uses, um, summer or winter. It's, it's day and night. It's all of that. And in just for one moisturizer, for what I told you, you could end up with 10 products that do all of the things that that one moisturizer does. So for me, I prefer to have the one moisturizer that can do all of those things. And I like what happens when I use it. And so... I think it it's that kind of a thing where you have a few products, they can do a lot for you. It's easy to travel with them. It's easy to use them. You just get more of the ones you use the most. And you're, you're not having to be on this treadmill race to have the newest, most important thing. It doesn't mean you don't try new things, but not with a frenzy that, you know, you're, you're looking for something. And the secret is in the ingredients. If the ingredients are timeless, there's a reason they're timeless. It's because they work. So that's my, my theory for me. And that I think a lot of other people who live busy lives want to have. But then there's the fantasy thing, too, that you want to try something that you never tried before. But from a sustainability point of view, having drawers full of like a graveyard of products that you never use again is really it's it's bad for the environment. It's bad. It's just not a sustainable practice. So I think really limiting and being very um choosy about what it is you want to try that you know and and there's a lot of false promises too so if you believe everything that you know you're anti-aging anti-wrinkle those words get me crazy because everybody's aging every day including a two-year-old two-year-old aging you don't want to anti-age a two-year-old so you're aging well <laughs> oh my god that two-year-old is getting older yeah <laughs> uh, um i heard um i heard carl lagerfeld once described that his job was to be um sort of an antenna picking up signals and then and then to put them out for his work and I, i'm wondering what like for you what's caught your eye recently um what what are you looking at that's exciting to you well, I think Carl is exactly right because if you're in the fashion industry, you your antenna are up, not just because you're doing another collection, but it's fashion really reflects the socioeconomic, psychological time we live in. Clothes really um, are the mirror image of that time. And so as designers, we need to be very in touch with that. So for me, to answer your question, um, I think in, from a fashion perspective, um, 
the idea of gender fluid fashion is really the most um, directional um, concept. I think it can revitalize and change the industry uh, when men and women can buy gender fluid clothing that can be worn by anybody, any sex. And that um, if you're going to buy a jacket, you can be with a group of friends who are all very different, who go to a jacket department together um, Mm -hmm. without defining gender or defining, you know, preferences about anything. Jackets, whoever wants a jacket, you can go into that department and get a jacket and rethink sizing and rethink how you label sizes. So I really believe uh, that it's not only a smart uh, idea for the industry, but it is so exciting and so inspiring when we show the collection on, um, I do it sort of traditionally on uh, female models. And then I'll have for very different, very, very different in personality and style for male models come in and interpret the collection personally and they style themselves and um, present in the photographs the way they would want to um, present how they look. And it is so exciting to watch. It's so exciting to see the result of what their choices are. And it's the most creative, free-spirited experiment that um, I've seen in a long time. And, um, And we keep getting really fun editorials now with just these really incredible style looks um, with a gender fluid kind of feel about it. It's just fresh and um, and I think looks better than anything. That is so interesting. I it reminds me of this idea. You know, we're 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 in a time now where gender there is gender fluidity um and the idea that you know it wasn't that long i mean like 15 years ago to have like a black girl on the cover of vogue was just like wouldn't ha- it was like crazy right but um you know we passed that and the, you know a lot of the challenges we have in the world today are really without borders and that it's it's really the idea of borders and i don't know nations are just strike me as inventions of our imagination right <laughs> Like nothing, and and what you're doing is you're you know this is being manifest on the runway for you. I think that's really interesting. I well, I mean, uh, the idea of defining differences um, is very detrimental to progress and to peace and um, and a progression in the evolution of the human spirit. 
And I think the more we keep defining how different we are and politically we're masters at it. I mean, we have it down to a science with politics and you can see how damaging it is for the human spirit. It's just a very difficult thing to watch. And if we continue to evolve in the way we are, where color, age, gender, all of that become a non-conversation. I mean, think about, think about how great that is. For me, right now, I think, and where a lot of my effort is going, um, is with age, because I think the, the most discrimination is with age and the lack of um, understanding the spirit of aging with power. And, uh, and so that's something I'm going to be talking about a lot because um, the aging, women especially aging, have so much conflict and so much pain and confusion. And, um, but here I am, 74, and I've just really want to say to everybody that's younger than I am, it's like, please don't believe the press about age or the fashion magazines or beauty about being ashamed of being older. It's sort of a great thing to, to get to an age where you feel empowered by your life experience. So of course, I think healthy lifestyle is part of how you make that happen. Um, but I think even more than um, gender or race or any of the conflicts that we've talked about for decades, um, age is the one that's still the rawest and the most un um, talked about the the one that every time I ask people how old they are all the time all the time and what do they say how do they react to that um oh uh it's like they they don't know because nobody right. asks their age right so it's like a question they never have to answer because the polite thing is you never ask anybody their age and I thought well I sort of have the right to ask because I can be sure I'm older than everybody that I'm asking their age. So if they have a problem with somebody older asking, that's it's it should not be a problem for them anymore. They should be able to feel free about saying their age, but they're so afraid of being aged out of, you know, a job or uh, an opportunity or a marriage or whatever that everybody holds that tight. Even my dentist, I said, so how old are you? And he said, oh, nobody ever asked me that. I'm like, um, I don't know if I should tell you. And I said, are you kidding me? I'm, I'm 74 and you can't tell me your age and you're clearly younger than I am. So think about how, and this is a guy, right? Think of how age in, inhibits our ability to be proud of all that we've acquired with experience through our lives. I mean, it's, 
it's a, it's such a confusing conversation, but it's very real. It's very messed up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, it's something that I, I read was that, um, the song happy birthday was written in the late 1800s. Didn't really? become popularized until like the ni- late 1920s because in the 1800s, your birthday didn't matter. Like your age didn't matter. It was just like, could you do this thing or couldn't you do this thing? Yeah. It was just, your, your value was based on, you know, essentially your utility. So a lot of bad things came out of that childhood Child labor. labor. Yeah, Not so great, right? We agree on that. Maybe you, uh, the truth is it, we keep judging behavior from different decades and different centuries. And it's really, it's very, it's very bad to try to do that. I mean, and uh, I, I think, you know, if you need a kid to help you get that piece of farm equipment from here to there, and he can lift up the one end of it, you know what, the kid's gonna help you do it because there's four of you. Um, so it's, and of course, to somebody, me saying that, I'm like, oh my God, she believes in child labor. Well, it's not the same as child labor when it was exploited, you know? So it was working and that was the norm. And then somebody thought, well, if the kid can work there, maybe we'll bring him into the cotton mill with his parents. And this way the parents can look after him and he can spool up the cotton in the corner. And then, so all of a sudden what seems harmless becomes an outrage because then it gets exploited. And so uh, there's always an explanation for how these things evolve. I don't think people are earnestly evil. How do you see women's roles have changed over the years? Women now are not relegated to one role. It's a different time. Women, because we are the nurturers and the mothers and we give birth, sort of were put into a category and that category just didn't work for many years, especially after I think the feminist movement of the seventies, the tolerance for any of that was just not acceptable anymore. And, you know, the outrage is real, but it's very hard to condemn men at a time where that's what they were taught. That behavior was that this is okay. And women that were not saying don't do that. They were showing that that's, that's what's accepted. So I'm not forgiving the behavior for sure. Cause I've had some horrific experiences in my life and, and sometimes they seem to happen daily and they still happen today. But, um, but it's certainly, there's a consciousness now that's really um, much different from what happened before, but you can't condemn everybody in the past for what was happening. There, There's a, a different, so much is different. People are doing some cuckoo stuff. So people are going to look back at us and think, you know what they were doing? It's like, <laughs> I'm sort of thinking I know what they might be saying. <laughs> so. uh, Norma, it's, it strikes me that you have this, you have such a, a great relationship with yourself. 
you, you feel so comfortable with yourself. It's, I mean, I'm, I'm just observing this. Um, like, where do you think that came from? Um, you know, I think self-love is the hardest thing to learn and I'm new at it. Um, and some people maybe never, um, reach that point, but the only way you can, um, attract the right people to you or opportunities is to have self-love and um and so like i said trying to learn that is a process but it has to be something people consciously make an effort to do it just doesn't happen to you um just like it's very hard to love somebody because we wonder if we can trust people or will they love me back? And, but if you love yourself, then that's not an issue because if you love yourself, that person is going to love you too, because they'll know there's something valuable there. So I think the answer to that is self-love and Tanner is giving me signals that I have to ah. love. <laughs> This has been wonderful. You're oh. just you're just the best. I I I love that the consistency of your message and and really how you've been doing essentially the same thing for um, fifty two years. <laughs> fifty two years, <laughs> but it's you know like you said it was like what you're saying. The things that you're talking about were very much ahead of their time and the late eighties, early nineties. And now they're very much of the moment. Yeah. Uh, I think that's brilliant. Which is great. It makes me very happy that that's, that's what's happening now, which is uh, good for everybody. So, well, it's very Thank nice. So it's very nice to be speaking with you and seeing you in the closet with your headphones <laughs> on. It's a little. Oh, you just outed me. <laughs> Martian-y, but it's good. <laughs> I'm only seeing a silhouette, so I'm seeing glasses, headphones, a, sh a very sleek, a sleek shaped head. So yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's it's a little futuristic. But it looks good. Oh my God! There you are. <laughs> it's nice to see you finally. Very, uh, thank you very much. I appreciate. Thank you time. so much. I really appreciate your time. You're you're just such a north star for us. Oh, thank you very much. Have a great day. You too, Norma. Take care. Alrighty. Bye bye. Bye now. Bye. That was so wonderful. I just love Norma. I just love her spirit. I could just talk to her for hours and hours. Um, you know, she, she mentioned she has a skincare line and I actually use it. They don't, they don't pay us. They don't subsidize us in any way. She sent me some stuff and it's really great. I really like the exfoliator. Uh, next week, we've got Mr. Chip Connolly coming to speak to us about his experience with Modern Elder Academy. He's been running the academy now, I want to think, for geez, about a year and a half. And I think he's maybe gone through 50 cohorts and... My guess is he's learned a lot, and I'm, I'm super excited to speak to Chip. He's a wonderful guy. Um, all of you out there listening today, if you like the show, if you're looking forward to listening to Chip, please subscribe. Go to iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Please subscribe, hit like, tell your friends about us, um, and we'll be with you next week. Thanks so much. Have a wonderful week, everybody. Bye-bye.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.